Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error till he appears and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn for Voices of night divine, oh night, when Christ was born, oh night, oh. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our last round of position rankings within the Cardinals organization. Uh, I am your host. I am Kyle Reese for Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. Today we go over the outfielders. Not going to sugarcoat it. This is our longest list. Uh, this is probably going to take a while, but it's also uh, the most proud I am of one of our write-ups. Uh, and it's definitely the one that if you're if you're not checking out, you need to check out. I I, I love this list. I'm very proud of it. I, it'll surely backfire uh, in by one year's time when we do this again in a year. But I like this group a lot. Uh, what I like most about it, just like looking over the entire group, is that there's players of every age at every level on it with a chance of making a major league debut. Uh, I don't know if I feel that way with the pitchers. I I don't know if I feel that way with any of the other positions. But I certainly feel that way with the outfield. Cardinals have done a very good job of making it happen with outfielders. Uh, uh, maybe not over a long period of time, uh, but in, in short bursts. And hopefully that continues with this group. Um, before we get into it, our last position ranking here, ranking the positions, uh, the players at each position within the Cardinals organization, I just wanted to thank everybody one more time. Uh, this is day eight of our countdown. We've had tremendous support, uh, a tremendous amount of positive feedback about it. And, and just thank you so much, everyone. Uh, truly, um, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being a part of this with us. Uh, again, the Birds on the Black community and the Prospects After Dark community is something that I, I greatly cherish and I am forever thankful for. Um, and just thank you for being a part of it. 
I won't waste any more of your time with the pleasantries. We're going to get right into the list because this is going to take a while. Uh, uh, we'll go over the list from the get-go. Uh, the graduate is Lane Thomas. Number one on our list is obviously Dylan Carlson. Number two on our list is Randy Rosarena. Three is Jan Torres. Four is Adolis Garcia. We call him Jag. Five is Justin Williams. Six is Patrick Romeri. Seven is Trajan Fletcher. Eight is Justin Turner. Nine is Connor Capel. Ten is Lars Newbar. With honorable mentions, Scott Hurst, Terry Fuller, Tyler Reichenborn, Jonathan Machado, uh, Dial Burgess, and Andrew Warner. Uh, again, I know that I give you the list. I would ask you to stick around because I, I, this is a group that I feel most comfortable with, that I am the most confident in, and I think that we're, we have a lot to learn and talk about here. Number one, our graduate, Lane Thomas. Uh, Lane Thomas is no longer rookie eligible. He's an easy graduate off this list. I wasn't even going to put him on the list, but what I decided is it gives me the opportunity to say two things. First thing is he had 38 plate appearances in during the 2019 season over at least 52 games where he was eligible to get at-bats. That's 14 less plate appearances than he received, than he had games at the major league level at least. It could be more than that. I don't math right. I'm an idiot. Uh, but that's terrible. That's terrible prospect management. Uh, that's Carson Kelly level mishandling. Uh, and he was super productive in that meantime, uh, in that time frame. It should go to show you how talented this kid is. How talented is he? I believe right now he's easily one of the best three outfielders uh, potentially for the Cardinals rostered. I, I like him better than Fowler. I like him better than Bader uh, at both center and right and even in left. And I think it's a shame that he's not going to get a fair shake at one of three outfield positions. It's probably going to come down to one, uh, two positions at the most. Uh, you know, he struggled a little bit. He struggled greatly over the first two weeks of the season at Memphis and then really put it together uh, after those first two weeks. What I feel comfortable telling you is over a full season of at-bats, uh, 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 for a couple of seasons, and this is a big thing for me to say, I, I usually don't go out on this kind of limb, but Lane Thomas is an 800 OPS guy. In 500 at-bats, uh, 500 at-bats, I say plate appearances a lot, and I mean plate appearances when I say it, but I'm saying at-bats here, uh, he's going to hit 265, 270, 330, 340, uh, uh, with an on-base plus slugging of right at 800. That's Lane Thomas when given a chance to play every day. What we've learned over two years is that there are sometimes when he's comfortable and there's sometimes when he's not comfortable. When he's comfortable, he is an amazing hitter. When he's not comfortable, it's rough. Uh, but it's not rough like Harrison Bader. Uh, so you run with it. You roll with it. He's probably a better uh, out. He's definitely a better outfielder than Dexter Fowler. Obviously not a better outfielder than Harrison Bader. Uh, but if you could take the best parts of those two players and combine them into one, you have Lane Thomas. That's our graduate. Number one on the list is Dylan Carlson. I'm not going to waste your time with Dylan Carlson because everyone's writing about him. Dylan Carlson is a top 10 prospect in baseball. Uh, if you want to extend out, he's a top 25 prospect in baseball. I personally like him better than Angels prospect Joe Adele. Joe Adele and Joe Adele gets more pub than, than Carlson does. Uh, he has power. He's a good fielder. He can hit for average. He's he's come a long way hitting both right-handed and left-handed. He's an average to a flashing above center fielder who's best suited as a plus role in right field. Uh, and he's every bit as good at, of a prospect as the Cardinals have had in their organization since J.D. Drew. 
I was not high on Colby Rasmus. I liked him. He deserved to be the best prospect in the Cardinals organization. Uh, I was not as high on him as others. Uh, the late Oscar Tavares, rest in peace. I was never high on Oscar Tavares, uh, especially after you hurt his ankle. It just never seemed like he could get it. His swing was always too long, and I always questioned uh, some other things about him. Uh, he's better. He has a higher ceiling, and he's smarter and stronger and better than those guys. Uh, he is the best hitting prospect in the Cardinals organization since J.D. Drew. That is not hyperbole. Uh, I am somebody who goes out of their way to diminish the potential, uh, uh, to, to be conservative about the potential of major leaguer, or minor leaguers at the major league level. I can't get myself to do it about Carlson. I will say that I think it's going to take Carlson a while to get his legs underneath him. Uh, until his double-A stint, remember, as a young player in the Midwest League and in the Florida State League, it took him a while to get his feet underneath him. He has to get comfortable at a level. He has to feel that out. But once he feels that out, you're talking about an all-star level player. Uh, uh, is he going to be an MVP? I don't know. P- p- almost certainly not. That's the rarest of the wor- rare occasion. Will he get MVP voting? If I had to bet, he'll be a top 15 finisher and an MVP at least once in his career. Uh, uh, but even that is a, a tremendous success on the high end. He's just so good. Uh, and he has the potential to be the Jack Flaherty, a uh, uh, hitting version of Jack Flaherty. You know, in the article, I say something like, you know, when, as we entered 2018, 2017, it felt like Flaherty had a chance to be the next Adam Wainwright. You know, a, uh, a Cardinal Hall of Famer who spends nearly his entire career uh, uh, with, and I say nearly, obviously, Wayno nearly spent all his career with the Cardinals. Uh, he was drafted by the Braves his entire major league career uh, uh, with the Cardinals who, you know, finished in the top five voting in Cy Young a couple different times. Um, To me, my favorite player in the history of the St. Louis Cardinals is Ray Lankford and Dylan Carlson has every chance of being that good. You know, Lankford was a top 10 finisher in the MVP, Uh, never won a gold glove, but was underrated defensively. Um, One of the best players in the history of the St. Louis Cardinals drafted by the Cardinals Super athletic, who could steal. I don't think Carlson has the base stealing ability of Langford at Langford's early stage of his of his career, but Langford went to an All Star game. Carlson could go to an All Star game. Uh, what I'm getting at is Carlson has the chance of all of the prospects from a hitting perspective within the Cardinals organization to be a Cardinal legend. Uh, again, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be one of the greatest baseball players of all the time, or that he's going to make a bunch of All Star games, or that he's going to win MVPs or get MVP votes. Just that he has a chance to be one of the best, one of like the top 50 players in a storied, the the most storied franchise in the National League. That's Dylan Carlson. It's a whole lot of pressure and a whole lot of praise to put on a kid who's, you know, sniffing 21, who who barely understands what it means to to be 21. But if there's a kid that you're going to bank on, it's him. Because he has the strength for it, the mind for it, the preparedness, uh, and the drive for it. And he's never going to get outworked. And he, he just has that innate ability uh, to be uh, just something special and something different. And shout out to his father, Jeff Carlson, who is a prominent member of Prospects After Dark. Uh, that's number one on our list, Dylan Carlson. Number two on our list is Randy Rosarena. I don't know why I went from a change in tempo and tone there. Uh, Randy Rosarena had, the statistically, if you wanted to argue about it, 
the best offensive season of a Cardinals minor league hitter uh, in the organization. You take Randy over Dylan Carlson if you're just looking at stats purely. Uh, Carlson was the best hitter in the organization. Randy probably had the best season. Uh, we've seen Randy's power spike. We've seen uh, his his approach spike. Uh, we, we know he's taking more walks, striking out less, getting more comfortable, using all parts of the field. Uh, when he's hitting at the top of the lineup, that's when he's most effective. That's when his, like, he clicks in. I've said it for as long as I've been writing about Randy Rosarena. I think that Gerardo Parra, Parra rather, is a great comp for him. Like when we look back at Randy Rosarena's career, we're going to say, oh, that looked a lot like Gerardo Parra's career. I, I don't know like how it'll ebb and flow or whatnot. I'm not necessarily saying that. Uh, but that's the kind of player that I think Randy Rosarena is. He can play center, but it gets weird. He can play right, but it gets weird. He can run the bases, but it gets weird. And it's all due to the fact of how aggressive he can be. Uh, sometimes he'll overslide a base, but we've also seen him take plenty of bases because of his aggressive nature. Sometimes he won't take a good route on a ground ball, and it's because he's aggressively trying to pursue it. He never takes a playoff. Uh, he's a full-effort athlete. We love Randy Rosarena. Randy Rosarena also has a second-tier arm in the organization. It's not Jose Deliz Garcia. It's not Harrison Bader, uh, but it's right along the same levels, maybe about a little stronger than Dylan Carlson right now on a consistent basis. It's not as accurate as you would want it to be, but it's still pretty damn good. Uh, you guys know I love Randy Rosarena. Uh, I view him as like if you could make a prototypical major league outfielder outfield, you would want him to be the third best outfielder. Uh, if you had three better outfielders, he'd be the perfect fourth outfielder. Uh, he's gonna do damage, and he has gap power. And look, I just love Randy Rosarena. He's been one third of my three headed prospect monster for years between Randy Rosarena, Ryan Helsley. And Andrew Kisner, uh, for a while there, Andy Young was peeking in, but Andy, of course, got traded as part of the Goldschmidt deal. Um, that is the type of player that Randy Rosarena is, if we are being honest with ourselves. Number two on our list uh, uh, of outfielders is Randy Rosarena. I wanted to kind of cut through Thomas Carlson and Randy quick because you you really do know those guys, and I'm just wasting your time by going over them. And, you know, I look at it now, and we're already 10 minutes into this, so... Uh, prospect number three on our list is Jan Torres. Torres is 19. He'll be 20 for almost all of 2020. And uh, Torres might be my favorite, soon to be my favorite prospect on this list. Torres is going to be replacing Randy Rosarena uh, as my three-headed monster on the three-headed monster list in no time. Uh, Torres, I guess first and foremost with Torres, he was a, one of the two prospects that we the Cardinals acquired in the trade for Oscar Mercado. Uh, Torres has all of the tools you would want. Uh, aside from Ivan Herrera, I would say that he's the prospect most likely to bust onto top 100, top 150, top 200 prospect list. Uh, in the article, I say something like, if you had to pick a player to bust onto the scene similar to Dylan Carlson, uh, you'd pick Jan Torres and Ivan Herrera. I think it's more than likely Torres ends up busting onto the scene like Aliris Montero did in 2018. I think that's more than likely. Uh, he does have some holes in his swing. He gets super aggressive, and it causes him to chase everything, change up fastball, breaking pitches. Uh, uh, sometimes he makes contact with it. Most of the time he's striking out, or a lot, most of the time, a lot of the time he's striking out. Uh, Torres is a prototypical uh, corner outfielder. He probably won't ever play center again, I wouldn't think. I don't think he has that kind of like read for it. doesn't necessarily range, although he's fast, and he is a fast base runner. Uh, speaking of his speed... One thing about Jan Torres is he hurt his hamstring trying to beat out a, a grounder to first in 2019, and he missed about a month of the uh, uh, the Johnson City uh, season. 
Started the year at Peoria. Uh, got a call in G. Or uh, what would have been June, the end of May, beginning of June, to, uh, to Peoria. Struggled at first. Started getting his stuff together. When the Johnson City uh, season fired up, he got sent to Johnson City. Was really good at Johnson City. Got hurt. Uh, was good after he got his legs back underneath him. Had a pretty good uh, Appalachian League playoff. Uh, uh, this is me just rambling on and on trying to say that, look, I, I love Jan Torres. Um, uh, you know, it, uh, the power potential's there, the doubles potential's there, the speed is there. What we need to see out of the soon-to-be 20-year-old is we need to see him continue to refine his approach at the plate. Again, he gets over-aggressive. He swings it too much. Uh, advanced breaking pitches get him when he is swinging too much. But we've also seen uh, we've also seen him handle advanced breaking pitches when he's in the zone. Uh, what we are going to see eventually is if that's just a characteristic of a young player trying to trying to like sort his own stuff out, or if it's like if that's his prototype, that's who he is. I, I gotta tell you that I think there's more to it than that. I, I think that you're talking about another version of Lane Thomas here, uh, something like that. Um, uh, as we continue to progress through the minor leagues. I love, love Jan Torres. I hope he's fully over the hamstring issue. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, the last thing I want to leave you with in regards to Jan Torres is everyone freaked out about the trade, uh, the Oscar Mercado's production, rather, with the Indians in 2019. He's a below-league average player in 2019 like we were so excited about what we saw he had like 14 home runs and uh 14 doubles and a bunch of stolen bases but you know if you're going to trade that type of player and again i will stand by that that was the right move to make but if you're going to trade that type of player and you can get someone like jan torres a low-level prospect with the ceiling that jan torres has uh, in that deal you do it you do it over and over again uh regardless of the type of production that oscar mercado puts out that's how you maximize your talent that's how you strengthen your organization and your organizational depth. That's how you, as a team that has been successful and above 500 for like 75 years at this point, uh, that's how you continue to be successful. Uh, I, I love Jan Torres. I think you're going to love him too. And as long as he continues to make up ground, not being over-aggressive when he's in over-aggressive mode, uh, you're talking about a guy who does absolutely have a major league future. Uh, uh, but 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 he's got to get that 27% strikeout rate down. It, it's got to go down, uh, 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 even with a 14.3 walk rate. Um, I, I really hope that he continues to produce power, uh, doubles power, over-the-wall power. Uh, I would imagine he spends 2020 in Peoria. But that is number three on our list. Uh, Soon-to-be 20-year-old Jan Torres. Now, number four and five on our list, uh, it became a bit of a battle. I couldn't decide what order to put them in. I decided because I, I love raw tools and I love power. The number fourth on our list is Adolis Garcia, a Jag. Now, I, I want to start this off by saying that I would really love for Jag to get an opportunity in a different organization. Uh, I specifically say in the article, the White Sox. And that's because he has ties to Abreu and Moncado and uh, uh, Luis Robert or Robert or however he's pronouncing his name. And people are pronouncing his name these days. Shout out to C70 here if he's listening. Um, uh, 
I, that's the kind of organization I want to see him in. I'm not ready to declare him a 4A player yet. He could very well be. Uh, but I also don't can't imagine a situation in which this guy uh, has a spot with the Cardinals in 2020. Not unless he blows the roof off of spring training, which could very well happen. Uh, the bottom line with Jag is simple. He's 26 years old. He strikes out way too much. In 2019, he struck out 30% of the time and only walked 4% of the time. But he also has the most in-game power uh, within the organization. Uh, it's You cannot debate it. He had 32 doubles, 6 triples, and 22... uh, Let me start over. Jack had 22 doubles, 32 home runs, and 6 triples in 2019. Uh, Granted, 26-year-old, playing a triple-A, repeating the level for the most part. Uh, That's kind of like... That type of inflamed statistic is to be expected. Uh, What we saw out of Jag was we saw him sell out for power, which honestly is exactly what I wanted to see out of him. So as as down as I am on his season, because he, you know, uh, for a guy who had 32 home runs and 22 doubles and six extra, uh, uh, six extra triples to have an 89 WRC plus is concerning. Uh, But that's because of the huge walk total or the huge K total um, that, that definitely hurts his stats. Uh, I love that he sold out for power. I would imagine in 2020 we see his stats regress. Uh, still 30 home runs, still 20 doubles, but we'll see the we'll see the average level out. We'll see the on-base percentage level out. As I reach down for my pen again, I don't know why I keep dropping pens, uh, uh, as he spends another, another year at that level. He has easily the best outfield arm in the organization. That includes major leaguers, uh, uh, better than Harrison Bader's. It's uh, it's accurate, it's strong, it's hilariously powerful from right field. He is the prototypical right field Cuban arm uh, that Yasiel Puig has made so famous. Uh, that's Jag, you know. Uh, there isn't a whole lot to say. Will he get? The question becomes: Will he get his opportunity with the Cardinals? I can't imagine a world in which it happens, short of being the most impressive outfielder in spring training, which could very well happen. But we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, if he stays in the Cardinals organization and goes back to Memphis, he needs to work on lowering that K rate, raising that walk rate, without uh, costing, without losing uh, the, the the power that came with it. No reason to spend any more time on him. He's going to be 27 for nearly all of the 2020 season. And uh, he gets the number four spot because I love power and I love Jag and I love that arm and I'm not ready to call him a 4A player yet. Number five on our list, which could be four, uh, is uh, we'll call him a right fielder, Justin Williams. Now, taking a step back, uh, Carlson, uh, I call him an above average flashing center fielder, a potentially plus right fielder, and a, the work in, uh, a, a work in progress in left. Rosarena is a plus left fielder, a work in progress in center, and an average to above right fielder. Jan Torres is a right fielder. He's an above average right fielder, and he's shaky everywhere else. Jag is a right fielder, period. He can play a little center, but don't do it. Just put him in right. Williams, too, is a right fielder. Um, Williams was one of the prospects acquired for Tommy Pham from the Tampa Bay Rays. He's 24. Uh, after He had a terrible 2018 season. After the Cardinals traded for him, he looked terrible in the Cardinals organization. In the offseason, he punched a television, which really hurt his ability to get into shape and get ready for the season. He had uh, missed all of April, had a terrible May, went back on the injured list, and, and then when he came back in the mid part of June, I believe, uh, uh, Williams was a completely different hitter. He was a man possessed. He was also a completely different fielder. The, the, the fielder that I saw at the end of 2018 and 2019, who looked average at best, 
uh, both arm, not both, but arm, speed, agility, uh, coverage-wise, looked above average in all of those respects. Uh, It just seemed like in 2019, after he came back from that second IL stint, Justin Williams was a man possessed. He was a man on a mission, and the mission was to prove that he deserved to be a prospect. This is the part where I eat crow. He's the first of three prospects here where I'm going to eat crow. Uh, I hated him in 2018. I reluctantly put him on the preseason Dirty 35 in 2019. I took him off of the midseason Dirty 35 in 2019. I had pretty much written him off as a prospect. uh, uh, And now he's going to be a top 30 prospect more than likely. As I look at my preliminary list, uh, yeah, he's he's a top 30, top 25-ish uh, a dirty 35 prospect. He's done this because you can tell the confidence is there in, up, in the outfield uh, and at the plate, and because his swing has gotten a lot cleaner. The first gift that you will see uh, in the article is of him in 2018 uh, uh, going up to get a pitch in the zone. That was one of the areas where we saw him be successful in 2018, early 2019, and late 2019 when he got his stuff together. Uh, uh, But it was nice to see him in the second half of 2019 when he was really hitting, get the pitches low in the zone. He struggled with that prior to that uh, in his time in in the Cardinal organization. Very, very, very amazing. You'll you'll see that first gift, gift, and then you'll look down, and you'll see a player uh, 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 in his second gift who is using his lower half. He's not as stationary. Uh, His hands are quicker through the zone. The swing is still kind of ugly, and his hips are still firing maybe a little early. Uh, uh, But you can see a guy who is utilizing the quickness of his swing, uh, which he hadn't shown before, really. Not the the utilization of it, but the ability to swing as quick and as competent as we're seeing. Uh, Seeing him really use that and really use it to all fields. Uh, Here's the hoping that that last half of the 2019 season continues into the 2020 season for Justin Williams. I know that uh, he was having, for a while there, a really good uh, time in the uh, the uh, Dominican Winter League. Here's the hoping that that keeps up. I do want to see him drop his K-rate, even when he was successful at the end of the year for Memphis. His K-rate was still 25.2%, even though his walk walk rate was above 13 uh, uh, keep keep going, Justin. Keep going. Keep building off of it. Now, here's where our list gets really interesting, uh, and here's where the explanation is needed. In big, bold letters at the beginning of our article, I write that uh, things get weird after the beginning of this list, and that's because I don't have Trajan Fletcher as high as others. Uh, Trajan Fletcher was the second-round pick out of the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, it, by the St. Louis Cardinals, in the 2019 draft. As a matter of fact, another high school player... Uh, from the 2019 draft, 12th round pick Patrick Romeri, I have a head of Trajan Fletcher. So what we're going to do is I'm going to give them to you at the same time. Number six is Patrick Romeri, 18-year-old who played at the GCL. Prospect number seven is Trajan Fletcher, age 18, played in the GCL and for Johnson City. Uh, it's really simple. They're both very, very raw prospects. Uh, that have a lot to gain on, a lot to build on, a, a lot of improvements that need to be made. Romeri gets the upper hand here because I think that Romeri is a better baseball player than Trajan Fletcher is. Uh, Fletcher is so damn raw. You know, the article is so important. It's so important that you read what I say, but it's simple. He has lightning quick hands, maybe the quickest hands uh, at the plate in the organization, but he doesn't know what to do with them yet. Uh, He doesn't have a control of his swing. He swings it too much. Uh, 
He might be the fastest player in the organization. He might be the most athletic player in the organization. You can see all of the tools there for him to be a potential impact prospect and major leaguer, but he's still so raw and still so unseasoned as a baseball player that it worries me. It concerns me. Uh, His tools are all there from an athletic standpoint, everything you would want to build the foundation of a baseball player on. But the problem is he's not a baseball player yet. He bounced around in the in the Northeast uh, in high school. I'm not going to get into that. That's not my business to tell. Uh, uh, finally settled in, in Portland, Maine, the, the Portland, Maine area rather. Uh, he was he's actually was supposed to be drafted in the 2020 draft, but reclassified to be in 2019. There was some uh, uh, misinformed. Uh, a draft experts who said that he might have gone first overall in the 2020 draft. That was never going to happen. Uh, at the most, you're looking at a, a 15th round or 15th overall picker or, or lower. I'd still suggest lower. Uh, uh, but the reason that Trajan Fletcher is seven on my list, even though he'll be higher, uh, uh, he'll probably be a top three outfielder or he'll be a top four outfielder on the Dirty 35, is because. As as amazing as his athleticism is and his abilities are, he just isn't nearly a baseball player yet. Uh, uh, he's an athlete. He's that kid in high school who could play any sport and be the best guy on the field. Uh, but that's a little bit different than than what we're uh, you know than than what you would want out of a prospect uh, in the minor league system. Doesn't mean he's not going to be the number one outfield prospect next year if Dylan Carlson graduates off the list. It just says that right now, like. I can't overemphasize, even while overemphasizing, just how raw Trajan Fletcher is. There's so much work to be done. Uh, I'd bank on him. I think he has the work ethic for it. But it's just, it's there's a lot of work to do there. A lot of work to do there. Uh, he's not, he, he's not as accomplished, uh, not as much of a baseball player as our number sixth overall, Patrick Romeri. Now, uh, uh, Romeri is good size. He's like six two, six three, lean, like one seventy. Uh, well, I'll say 175, 180. Could definitely stand to put on a little bit more weight, but he's in great shape. You know, uh, he's a corner outfielder. I'd like to see the Cardinals give him some time in center. I think that's the best thing. I loved the power potential that he showed in the GCL. Trajan Fletcher showed that too, uh, uh, but I love the power potential. He struck out too much. 28.4% strikeout rate was too much, but it came with an 11.7 walk rate. I'll take that out of any 18-year-old. Uh, recently drafted high schooler uh, uh, in the GCL level. I love the six doubles, the six home runs, and the three triples that came in 162 plate appearances. I'll take all of that. Uh, he was four for four in stolen base attempts, too. He's not fast. He's not going to continue to steal a ton of bases moving up the ladder. But he is super talented. He comes from a school called the IMG Academy in Florida that, uh, from what it's the way it's been described to me, is basically just like, uh, it's a Dominican baseball academy, but in Florida, uh, uh, and it's it's like you. It's like taking. I think in the article I say something like it's like taking uh, AP classes in baseball while in high school. Uh, that's the type of emphasis they set a record in 2019 with having the most high schoolers drafted uh, in a major league baseball draft, and it, you know they won't match that number in 2020 or 2021. But this seems to be the kind of thing like IMG Academy is going to be the next big baseball high school factory. 
uh, Romeri has raw tools. He's just not nearly as raw as Fletcher. He's more developed. And you can actually see the basis for a major league player moving forward, uh, minor league with minor league success. You know, I say major league player, but what I mean to say there is uh, to a player who's going to have significant minor league success if he continues down this path. Uh, I love Patrick Romeri. Uh, I honestly, I think that an argument could be made that he should go number four on my list. I stuck with the older guys because they're right there. Uh, uh, but. Don't sleep on Patrick Romeri. And other than that, I'm not going to say a whole lot about Romeri or Fletcher, other than, once again, just to reiterate that they're very raw. They have a long way to go. Uh, I want to see the Cardinals be aggressive with Romeri. Uh, I don't want to see them be aggressive with Fletcher. I want Fletcher to go back to Johnson City or State College. I'd like to see Romeri get pushed to Peoria. Uh, uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what order that all goes. But uh, he's got he's a big, powerful kid, uh, Romeri is. So is so is Fletcher, but Romeri in particular is a big, powerful kid with a lot of leverage in his swing and quick hands and not a lot of wasted movement. Uh, and, and once Trajan Fletcher shows this type of development level, then then he'll skip over Patrick Romeri. Uh, but until then, I, for two very athletic kids, even though there is nothing that compares to the quote-unquote athleticism out of Trajan Fletcher, uh, it's hard for me to put a guy who is baseball-ready uh, – uh, behind the guy who is more just projecting raw athleticism. Uh, so that is prospect number six on our list, Patrick Romeri, and prospect number seven on our list, Trajan Fletcher. Uh, tr- the one thing I will say about Trajan Fletcher is he has, and, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm beating up on him, but he does have uh, uh, that sense for like how to run the bases, where the play needs to be made, what he can do, and that type of innate ability and that type of uh, 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 like natural athleticism usually bodes well for this type of raw player. Uh, I don't mean to put him at six as like a nah nah winny winny. I mean it to put him at six to 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 illustrate that it could go either way with him or seven rather. He's seven. Again, six Patrick Romeri, seven Trajan Fletcher. Prospect number eight on our list is 23-year-old Justin Turner. Uh, the left-handed hitting Turner is a lot of fun. You know, he was the best hitting prospect that the Cardinals... Now, now, when I say best, let me rephrase this. He had the most successful season after being drafted in 2018 within the Cardinals organization. In 2018, he made it to Palm Beach, uh, handled Palm Beach really well in about 40 uh, plate appearances, 40 at-bats, somewhere around there, uh, after doing okay in Peoria, after doing okay, uh, doing really well, rather, in Peoria. So, Justin Turner... After 2018, or rather, after 2019, I, let me, I don't know why I'm messing that up. I'm sorry. Justin Turner was drafted. Yeah, he was drafted in 2018. Uh, uh, seemed to be a slap hitter who could only play the corners. That was my evaluation of him. I kept him off a lot of my Dirty 35 list because I just don't care about slap hitters uh, 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 at all, really. It doesn't do me any good, as you'll find with one of our honorable mentions. But what I've come to find out about Justin Turner is, while you know his stats from a, a, a slugging percentage might not be impro- impressive, he is more than just a slap hitter. Uh, also, the guy who I had typecast as a corner outfielder is a true center fielder. Now, he can play the corners. We saw him go over the wall that Lane Thomas made famous in right field for Tulsa. Uh, He did it on back-to-back nights to rob home runs. Uh, Amazing stuff. As you'll see in the gift that I have in the article, there are two things that really stick out about Turner. 
uh, Justin T O E R N E R Turner is his arm is is the most underrated arm from an outfield perspective within the Cardinals organization. It is a well above average tool. One call it a plus yet, but it's above average at least. And he plays the outfield with reckless abandon. He's a full full effort player. Uh, again, he went over the wall twice in Tulsa in right field, and then he ended his his season was ended early because he went uh, head first into the wall in deep center at Hammonds Field uh, for Springfield. Uh, and I want to say on August, mid-August, August 14th, sometime around there, and uh, uh, it ended his season. I think he ended up with a concussion or some bruised ribs or something like that. Watch that gif. That gif is impressive. Look, uh, he goes all out. He gets a good read on balls. He, he's a true center fielder. He's, he's like... You know, when John Jay was good in center fielder in center field, that's the type of range that Justin Turner has, the type of speed that Justin Turner has with a better, a substantially better arm. Uh, you know, I think that there are some comparisons offensively to be made with Justin Turner and Evan Mendoza. They're both somewhat light hitting as compared to what you would want to see out of a true uh, outfield prospect. Uh, but there are a lot of things to build on. I, I compare him a little bit to Skip Schumacher and and like his swing and the way he kind of like fist balls. Uh, his speed is similar to Skip Schumacher's too. Um, I guess to sum up number eight on our list, Justin Turner. He's a great mid-20s round pick uh, who has outperformed at every level. Uh, he's outperformed my projection for him at every level he's been at. While his 2019 at Springfield wasn't necessarily impressive, it was still really, really good. Uh, he struggled especially at first at Springfield and was starting to adapt, uh, started having trouble adapting to the adaptations that were being made to him, and then his season was ended, I believe, on August 14th uh, uh, because of the injury that he sustained after running into a wall. Uh, uh, I, I like Justin Turner. I hope that he's healthy and recovered uh, as he begins 2020. He'll probably start the year back at Springfield and uh, hopefully he can keep uh, continuing the, the, the positive momentum that he showed in 2019. Number nine on our list is left-handed swinger Connor Capel. Capel was the other prospect that the Cardinals acquired for Oscar Mercado uh, 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 from the Indians in 2018 at the trade deadline. Capel gets the number nine spot on our list, uh, A, because he's 22, B, because he spent, well, let me rephrase that, B, because he's 22, C, because he had a really successful stint in the Arizona Fall League, uh, playing at a limited basis, but on a limited basis, rather, but A, uh, the reason that he's on the list is because I don't know if I expected him to be as good of a center fielder defensively as he is. Uh, as we talked about with Torner just a second ago, uh, uh, Capel is a full effort, full speed center fielder playing with reckless abandon. I would say his arm is not as good as Turner's. Uh, again, I call Turner's one of the most underrated in the organization. So Capels is a kick below, but I would still call it above average. Uh, he dives for everything in center. He gets good reads. He has good speed. Uh, uh, the minute that ball is off the bat, he's running towards it. He's all out. I love him as a center fielder. Uh, again, uh, I would call him the most underrated center fielder in the organization. Um, with an arm that was better than I realized. The issue with Capel is I still don't know what to make of him as a hitter. I hate his swing, although it got better in 2019 following 2018. Uh, he stopped, his hips stopped flying wide and way open before his hands got through the zone. Uh, they still do it, but it's not as bad as what we saw in 2018. Uh, the concern that I have with Capel in particular 
is that you know he his, he cut down on his strikeout rate, which I'll take. He was making more contact, uh, uh, but it came at the expense of his ability to get on base via walk, and that's a concern for me. Uh, I hate that his walk rate. Although it did go up a little bit from his time within the Cleveland organization uh, uh, in 2018, uh, uh, it, it just or it went down substantially from his time in the Cleveland organization. It went up at this time in the Cardinal organization. Uh, but I, I just I don't like that his overall walk rate dipped as low as it dipped in 2019 as a member of the Cardinals organization. Uh, I can deal with his 20% walk rate. I want to see him hit for more power. That'd be nice. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bang on 17 doubles and 11 home runs and 400 plate appearances, but I definitely want to see more out of him. If he's not going to be able to hit for average, I definitely want to see more out of him. Uh, and that's the big question with Capel. Like he's a really 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 good outfielder, but will he be able to hit for enough average without uh, without walking for it to be relevant uh, at the next level? And I seriously doubt it. Uh, I'm not gonna count him out look if Justin Williams can rediscover or not rediscover but if Justin Williams can find a swing that works for him then there's no reason to believe that Connor Capel can't either Uh, that's prospect number nine on our list Connor Capel prospect number 10 on our list everyone's favorite outfield prospect Lars Nupar the 22 year old who spent time at Peoria and Palm Beach and Springfield in 2019 uh, uh, he continued to impress at every level Where he impressed at double-A. So, again, he started in Peoria, went to Palm Beach, and then uh, finished at Springfield. He was forced into Springfield because of some injuries and promotion, and you guys know how that works. The the most impressive thing about his time uh, throughout the organization was his ability to get on base. Uh, 344 clip in Peoria, 335 clip in Palm Beach, which isn't all that great. Uh, uh, But a 373 clip in about 110 plate appearances at the Springfield level. Uh, I, well, I guess the best way to put it is, Newtbar reminds me a lot of former Cardinals catching prospect Jeremy Martinez. They both went to USC. They both have a similar type swing that isn't engineered really for power, but it's engineered to be protective. Now, I will say that while it's engineered to be protective, what I saw out of Newtbar at AA because he was a bit overmatched by that type of talent was uh, uh, he was defensive. There's a difference between being protective and defensive. He was defensive. Uh, I would like to see him go back to the approach and the swing that I saw at USC where he's he's protective, but he's also aggressive and strong with it. I think if he can if he can get that, then my big concern with him is which is his inability to hit for power will start to go away. Uh, again, the best way for me to describe how I feel about Lars Newtbar, other than to say that he had a really great 2019 season, he has a really fun name. Uh, uh, and that I'm I'm worried about his power potential is that he was rushed to Double A. He probably should have spent all year between uh, Peoria and Palm Beach, uh, and he did well at Springfield. Like that's a tough ask for him, and he walked 14% of the time and struck out 20% of the time and slashed 269, 373. Just that there was no slug there. I would imagine Lars Newbar starts the year back at Springfield. Uh, uh, and I would imagine that he has a little bit more power in his game when we're revisiting this list one year from now. As far as an outfielder goes, uh, he is below average runner. You would want him to play left field or right field specifically. I would say his arm is average. 
uh, but it's accurate, which, it, although uh, it's average. We're just going to say average. It's average across the board. Uh, so he's limited by his defensive ability. Uh, but it was a great year for our number 10 prospect on the list, Nars, Lars Nupar, Nars Lutbar, uh, Nar, uh, Lars Nupar. And you guys love him and he's worth uh, celebrating. But until he gets more than 18 extra base hits and about 400 plate appearances, then we're talking about uh, an outfield version of Delvin Perez, who's actually bigger and stronger than Delvin Perez, uh, but can't even produce the level of extra base hits that Delvin Perez is capable of producing. Uh, so that's why Lars Nupar goes to the 10 spot on our list. Uh, the honorable mentions, first and foremost, is Scott Hurst. Scott Hurst had an absolutely abysmal 2019 season between Springfield and Palm Beach. I'm not giving up on the kid yet. I'm also not going to waste a bunch of time on him. Uh, he has the ability to get on base, struck out too much. The hitter that I saw in 2019 that was Scott Hurst was completely and terribly off balance at the plate. He had that, like, uh, he, he was just leaning forward on everything. I don't know what the hell he was trying to do at the plate, but he was always off balance. He was always on his front foot. And that's a large reason, in my opinion, why this this young man with the quick swing who reminds me of John Jay at the plate uh, and John Jay in the field but with a stronger arm uh, uh, struggled in 2019. He's got to rediscover that balance. Without that balance, without his his desire and his ability to hit the ball to all fields, uh, you're talking about a guy who deserves to be an honorable mention and who a year from now might not even be an honorable mention. Uh, we talked about Scott Hurst a lot since he was drafted in the 2017 draft. No reason to keep going over it when we have other guys to talk about. I really hope, because I love Scott Hurst, uh, that he has a, a, a rebound season in 2020. The next honorable mention on our list is uh, another prospect I'm asked a lot about. 21-year-old, basically. Uh, he turns 21 in the next couple weeks. Played for Johnson City and State College. Terry Fuller. Now, I still don't feel comfortable discussing if Terry Fuller is a quote-unquote prospect or not. Uh, he still looks like a football player to me at both the plate and in the outfield. What is most surprising about Terry Fuller is his approach at the plate. You know, he's not as aggressive as maybe you would think he would be. Uh, he has a good feel for the strike zone, better than you would have expected for a player who, you know, split his time substantially uh, uh, between football, being recruited by major D1 schools and baseball. He has all the like he, he has all the physical tools that you would want. Look at the gifts because he's a pleasure to watch. Like he's a monster. You know, we we joke around about Jag's body being chiseled out of marble. Uh, imagine a bigger body than that. You know, he's a linebacker. He's an absolute linebacker. Uh, he's he's Ronnie Lott out there playing right field and running the bases. With that being said, as impressed as I am about his his athleticism and his ability uh, uh, to understand the strike zone, there are some worrisome things. You know, he's still very, very raw himself. He missed nearly all of 2018 due to injury, had a, what I would consider a very successful 2019. He had a, w9, a 109 WRC Plus at State College, uh, put up a little bit of power uh, between Johnson City and State College. What I also see out of Terry Fuller that concerns me is while he is patient and has a feel for the strike zone, he doesn't seem as aggressive as I would like him to be. It's almost like he's overcompensating for what I assume would be an aggressive nature by, by waiting for stuff to come to him. Uh, what I know is between and for Johnson City, he had a 16% walk rate and a 28% K rate, 29% K rate. For State College, he had a 12% walk rate, 13% walk rate, and a 30% K rate. I'd love to see the Ks come down, even if it means that the, the walks have to come down, and I would like to see him be more aggressive. 
He's going to have to retailer his swing a little bit because right now it's a pull swing that just can hit to the center, left center, right center gaps uh, for power home runs uh, uh, that are generated mostly by the fact that he's built like a goddamn tank. Uh, he's a monster. I mean, he is so big and so strong. But as you would suspect that if someone as raw as he is, he needs to continue to tweak his swing. It would do well for him to uh, utilize the entire field, in my opinion, and to be more aggressive in that pursuit. The other thing about Terry Fuller is while you know he, he's faster than his size would indicate, uh, he still has a lot of work to do in, a, in the corner outfield positions. I wouldn't say like an amazing amount, but he still gets tough reads on balls that are hit hard directly at him. Uh, Still struggles with balls that are slicing away from him down the corners. Things that just need to get better for a prospect that is super raw. Again, I'm not ready to call him a prospect, prospect one way or the other. He's obviously a prospect because he's only 21 years old uh, and he's in the minor league system. But I'm not particularly ready to say uh, that he's he is one way or the other. I'd like to see him. His his upper half is so stiff. You know, it kind of reminds me of a left-handed swinging version of Ron Gant back in the day. Uh, but I'd like to see him bring his hands a little bit closer, not as drawn out and back behind him, and try to utilize uh, uh, the quick hands and the, the sheer amount of power he has. Uh, I, I want to see him get more aggressive than what he is, is what I'm trying to say, even if it means that it cost him uh, uh, some of his the, the the pitches he sees in the bat. I think in... The exciting thing about Terry Fuller is that in 2020, he'll be at Peoria, and we're going to get an actual chance to decide if this guy is a legitimate Major League prospect or not. And if you're in the Peoria area, you're going to want to go see uh, and make up your mind for yourself. And if not, I'll make up your mind for you because I cannot wait to see it. Uh, That's that honorable mention, Terry Fuller. The next prospect on our list is an outfielder named Tyler Reichenborn, age 21, spent some time in the GCL in Palm Beach. Now, Tyler Reichenborn uh, was a minor league free agent for the St. Louis Cardinals, and they signed him, I, I want to say, like right before the short season uh, fired up. Uh, he, man, so here's the thing. that It's always interesting with a guy like Tyler Reichenborn because you don't know a damn thing about him, uh, and then all of a sudden he's in the Cardinals organization. You're like, whoa, 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 what's going on? The other fun thing about Tyler Reichenborn is he was drafted in the 35th round by the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2018. Uh, struggled in 2018 with the Dodgers. Uh, uh, and uh, you know what? Let me rephrase that. I think that there's a chance, and I could be wrong about this, that Reichenborn didn't sign with the Dodgers. I think he didn't sign with the Dodgers and then went Juco so that he could sign uh, as soon as possible. I think that's what happened. I don't remember for sure. I'm sorry about that. But what I saw out of Reichenborn was a super athletic center fielder. I mean, a dramatic, uh, diving all over the place, a minor league free agent that the Cardinals, at only 21 years old, that the Cardinals found a hidden gem in regards to. He has a really strong arm, a, a surprising approach at the plate. He's not super big, but he has a, a, a very, very uncomplicated swing that's going to do damage with anything over the middle of the plate. Uh, he is the ultimate wild card. I almost put him at 10 on the list to make a point that I really, really liked him, but he hasn't quite earned it yet. You know, I'm not willing to say that a guy who had, you know, less than 100 plate appearances is the next great thing, especially if that guy split time between the GCL and Palm Beach uh, and the Palm Beach at bats that he had were like 10 at most. But I will say that uh, if you're going to sign a minor league free agent who's 20, 21 years old, uh, you sign this guy. Like, I feel like, and he's bigger than than other outfield prospects we've had, 
But I feel like when I watch him, like, this is who Magnus Sierra was supposed to be. You know, uh, I, I just really hope that we didn't, we, you know, this isn't just a flash in the pan. You know, I hope that this isn't just a guy who, who had a really, really good limited 2019 season and then falls apart. He definitely struggles against advanced breaking pitches, uh, left-handed swinger, and he definitely struggles against uh, advanced uh, breaking pitches low in this, or right-handed swinger, rather. I'm such an idiot. Uh, but, and definitely struggles against advanced breaking pitches low in the zone. And I haven't seen enough of him to, like, really mine anything other than that. But Tyler Reichenborn is the ultimate wild card here. Super athletic. Uh, uh, super daring out in the outfield, a lot of fun to watch with a strong arm, plays with a ton of passion and a ton of excitement, and he's a player that we're going to get to learn more about in 2020, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Uh, I'm so excited to see what this kid's future is, Uh, and part of the reason is because I just haven't seen enough of him, and I'm anxious to see what it looks like. That's honorable mention 21-year-old Tyler Reichenborn. Uh, the next honorable mention is 21-year-old Jonathan Machado. Now, uh, what I was going to say about Reichenborn a little while ago before I said he's like what we all hope Magnura Sierra would be is I kind of feel like it's the same thing with Jonathan Machado. Uh, I don't waste much words, so I'm not going to waste much voice and uh, uh, air talking about Jonathan Machado other than to say that this is why the international signing period is super flawed. The Cardinals were rumored to have signed Jonathan Machado uh, two years before they actually signed him. That would have made him 16 or so. Uh, they came to an agreement with him when he was like 16. By the time he was 18, he, ha- he didn't get any bigger like everyone thought he would. He hadn't grown into his body like everyone thought he would, which means he also didn't have the power that they thought they would, which also means that his arm didn't get strong like they thought they would. Uh, so they still had to sign him because they had an agreement with him, uh, and they couldn't walk away. And then, you know, two hundred or $2 million later, a $2 million signing bonus later, and he's a non-prospect. He's a slap hitter. Who has a good feel for the for the zone? He's a better hitter, in my opinion, than Magnura Sierra is. He's not nearly the outfielder that Magnura Sierra is. He has a, a an average arm at best. I would call it below average uh, for being as fast as he is out in the outfield. He gets terrible reads off the bat. Uh, he's not a center fielder. At least when I what I watched in 2019, he's not a center fielder. He's a I cannot imagine a player this quick being this bad in center field. Uh, he is a non prospect right now. Uh, he is he's not good. He's not good. And he did hit uh, uh, 324 in limited at-bats, I believe, at Johnson City. Uh, Man, what am I? At State College. It was State College. In limited at-bats at State College. But uh, he's just not good. You know, uh, he's just not good. Then he went to Peoria and was not particularly good in Peoria once again. Uh, uh, He's going to struggle. I want him to do well, but I can't imagine it happening. Uh, As I say in the article, if undersized outfield prospects are your jam, uh, look at Andres Luna. uh, About the same size, uh, height-wise, as Machado, but stronger, stouter, uh, a better outfielder with a better approach at the plate who can do a little bit more with the bat. Uh, That's honorable mention, Jonathan Machado. And I don't even count that as a write-up because it just doesn't seem fair uh, uh, because I basically just beat up on him. Our next honorable mention is Diawell Borges. Burgess, rather. Uh, age 18, and he played for the DSL Cardinals and the GCL Cardinals. Uh, uh, just like with Ramon Mendoza, the, thir- the uh, second base slash third base prospect that we mentioned when we talked about the utility infielders, I'm not going to say much about Burgess. Uh, I don't know enough. I can tell you that I've been told that he has a great feel for how to hit. Uh, I can tell you that he is... Uh, left-handed swinging and his swing is beautiful and it's strong and it's powerful. Uh, Doesn't seem like there's a lot of waste in motion. Seems like he can handle both lefties and righties. 
And I will also tell you that the, the people have told me that he is a very, very unathletic kid. Uh, and it's, it's, it's surprising how unathletic he is. Uh, he might not be able to stick out in the outfield. Uh, again, I'm not willing to make any type of proclamation about an 18-year-old who has only had you know, 90 at-bats stateside or whatever. I, I don't know how anyone can have a feel for that. Uh, he definitely did really well in the DSL and struggled in the GCL. Uh, uh, I get asked about him a lot, so I felt like I needed to include him. Uh, I know that people are concerned about his ability to strike out. Uh, uh, coupled with his his lack of what is apparent athleticism, I know he has a strong arm. I don't know how accurate it is. I know that he looks at more athletic than what he is. I know that his swing, in my opinion, is absolutely beautiful. And uh, other than that, I'm not going to say anything more. Then let's hope that he has an amazing year for Johnson City. I like him better than Jorlin De Los Santos, who was a popular name this time of year, who fell off, uh, who fell off the world, or Rafi Ozuna, who was a popular name uh, this time last year, who fell off the face of the world. Uh, uh, so uh, Diawal Burgess uh, gets a, uh, a shout out in my book. The last real name that we're going to mention is 24-year-old, uh, soon to be 24-year-old Andrew Warner. He played for State College now. Andrew Warner is a 40th round draft pick in the 2018 draft, and I love that. He comes from the Columbia, Missouri area. I love that, too. Uh, Warner is a a corner outfielder who is not a very good outfielder, uh, who strikes out just way too much, 35.7% in 2019. Uh, but he does damage. You know, imagine being a player who strikes out 36% of the time and still puts up a WRC plus of 149 at the level that he was at. He did that because in 180 or so plate appearances, he hit seven home runs and eight doubles along with a triple uh, while walking a ton uh, and driving in runs. Again, uh, he's 24 years old. He was... He was 23 for all of 2019. He was too old for the state college level. I would have liked to have seen the Cardinals bump him up to Peoria just to see what it looked like at the end of the year, but it didn't happen. He'll be at Peoria uh, in 2020. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, But he's going to strike out a lot. Depending on how the next level understands his handling of the strike zone, he's probably going to start walking less. Uh, uh, He has an okay arm out in the outfield. Uh, He's undersized for first base. Uh, but he's just a, a guy, kind of like uh, when we went over our first baseman, Dariel Gomez, who just has the ability to rake. And he's a 40th round selection. Uh, and let's get excited about him. He's a, he's a super free swinger. And later in counts, uh, he's susceptible to big Ks. But you know what? I, I love this type of player. And uh, let's all root for the 40th rounder. Fuck, let's... Uh, oh, God, I, I promised myself we made it to the last guy, the last actual before I dropped the F-bomb. I apologize for that. I think I've said GD one time. I've said the S-word once. Uh, I, and here I am dropping the F-bomb. I apologize. I, I had every intent of keeping this family-friendly. Uh, but I, I get excited when we start talking about a 40th rounder who uh, uh, who has a lot of power potential, and that's awesome. You know what I mean? Uh, so, again, probably not a major league future. Uh, probably not much more than a minor league future. Uh, might not even make it out of Peoria when it's all said and done. But I wanted to give this kid a cap tip for his robust ability to slug, uh, get on base, uh, and and produce runs. 
Uh, he should not have gone overlooked, and that's why he gets an honorable mention. Uh, one final shout-out to Chase Pender and Bryce Denton. You know, a year ago, I had Chase Pender a higher than I had. Like, Chase Pender was like my fifth or sixth highest-rated outfielder in the organization. He's nowhere to be found after an abysmal 2019 season. Hopefully in 2020, he rebounds. I love Chase Pender. Uh, I'm just disappointed in the year he had. Wanted to give him a shout-out. I haven't given up on him, but he doesn't, he doesn't deserve much more airtime than that. As far as Bryce Denton's concerned, you know, I just, I like the kid a lot. And I can't give up on him like I've given up on Nick Plummer. You know, I, I just, I'm not ready for that. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I've watched him uh, so, so much of him. And you can see the raw tools there. And then you think about, you know, dealing with the appendectomy two years ago and uh, getting himself into shape. You know, I, I just wanted to give him a shout out. Let's not forget he exists, and let's hoping that with some exposure in the Texas League, he's the right-handed hitting version of Connor Capel or something, uh, with the defense that Capel shows in center uh, being displayed in left for, for Denton, or right for Denton. Uh, uh, and, and ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our outfield position rankings uh, within the Cardinals system. Go over them one more time. Our graduate is Lane Thomas. Our number one is Dylan Carlson. Number two is Randy Arozarena. Number three is Jan Torres. Number four is Jag Adolis Garcia. Number five is Justin Williams. Number six is Patrick Romeri. Number seven is Trajan Fletcher. Number eight is Justin Turner. Number nine is Connor Capel. Number 10 is Lars Newbar with honorable mentions Scott Hurst, Terry Fuller, Tyler Reichenborn, Jonathan Machado, Diwell Borges, and Andrew Warner with a special little cap tip to uh, Chase Pender. And Bryce Denton. Uh, by now, I'm sure you've tuned out, but if you haven't, I just wanted to thank you one more time for all of the support as we took a an eight-day journey through the Cardinals organization. It ended up being 81 write-ups where we talked about 85 players uh, and mentioned a total of 92 guys uh, in general. And I hope that it was informative. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, if you didn't enjoy it, DM me. If you didn't uh, like it, DM me. You know, uh, if you wanna, if you wanna make a mockery of me, do it on Twitter. I'm fine with it. I probably deserve it. Uh, email me too. Again, my my Twitter handle is kyler four one six. My uh, email is kyler four one six at yahoo.com. Uh, please communicate with me what you what you would like, what you don't like, what you want better. I promise that we will do everything we can to accommodate. Uh, one last thing, uh, uh, Fangraphs deserves a big tip of the cap for their statistical uh, uh, inclusion, uh, their statistical help in the organization, in the, the write-ups. Uh, I would be nothing without Fangraphs. These articles would be nothing without the stats that Fangraph presents. And of course, Cardinals Gifts, who provided the amazing cover art for these articles and who drives me to do this on a regular basis. Uh, I am forever in his debt. Thank you so much, everyone, for being a part of this. Uh, if you're watching, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you're part of the resistance. Uh, happy hunting, everybody. Uh, we'll have the dirty thirty-five to you come. Let's see. That'll probably start rolling out in February, I would think. Uh, uh, and just thank you so much for your support. You make it worth doing, and uh, I'm just so grateful. Uh, again, if you are listening to this, you're part of the resistance. And as always, 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 family, happy hunting. I hope you enjoyed the Christmas music.